All right, let's start off by saying this. How many born-again believers do we have in the house today? Born-again believers. These are people that have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Okay? This message is more or less directed towards you. Okay? I'm not saying there won't be a salvation portion of this message, but more or less this message is directed toward born-again believers. Okay? Okay? So, sorry about that. That mask makes me all snotty. So, hang on a second. Okay, good. There we are. Now, <clears throat> I am more teachy than I am preachy. However, I do get preachy from time to time. So, I'll do my best not to get emotional. Sometimes I get emotional. Shut up, Bethany. <laughs> okay. Okay, I feel like, <clears throat> and I have for some time, and I discuss this with pastors from time to time, that the church is still in a book of Acts role currently today. I don't think the book of Acts is over. I don't think that the, the church is, has, has left that, that, that genre, that power, that type of anointing that God gave the book of Acts church. And I think that even today we are still that book of Acts. But the problem is, is you really don't see that, do you? See, when we look at the condition of the church today, it is very easy to tell that it is not the same church that it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. Who agrees with that? Anybody? Okay, raise your hands. Good. <clears throat> we are no longer the same powerhouse that our statesmen and politicians used to look to to help guide them and help solve the problems that plague our nation then as the same problems plague our nation today. Can I say to you that if the government could save you, they would have already done it? Can I say to you that if the government could legislate all these problems that we're facing today and make it be erased, to make it go away, it would have already happened? Anyone disagree with that? So this is the only political statement I will say from this pulpit today. You ready? Regarding the statues. You can tear them all down. You can burn all the flags. But until the hearts of men are changed, it will mean nothing. I don't care if you tear them all down. Tear them all down. It makes a difference to me. They're going to use your money to do it. But until the hearts of men are changed in this nation, it will change nothing. And it will only come through this. This is the only answer. This is the only law, the only legislation written and penned by men guided by God's own hand that will change our country. It is the only law. And that's the only political thing you'll hear from me today. So, did you know that God judges the church? I'm going to have to read this one. God judges the church and a nation partly by the condition of that nation for which he holds the church accountable. This relates to the old saying you've always heard, as the church goes, so goes the nation. So God holds his people in that nation accountable for the condition of that nation. So our nation is in the condition it is, and whose fault is that? The churches. We 
You and I, born-again believers, are responsible for the condition of this nation. You can hate me all you want to, but that's the truth. That is a fact. I'll say it one more time. We, you and I, born-again believers, are responsible for the condition of this nation. Did you know that in 2018, 47,000 people died from opioid abuse? Opioids are prescription painkillers, and it also translates into heroin. 47,000 people that one year died in this nation, this country right here, from opioid abuse. That's more than COVID-19. Did you know, here we go, that there are over 3,000 in this country strip clubs? Did you know that? 3,800, over 3,800 strip clubs in this country. <clears throat> Did you know that most of those women are brought in as minors? And that most of those women have a pimp? Because not only are they dancing on a pole during the day, but at night they're also prostituting themselves. Is that a problem? Did you know <laughs> that over 77% of child sex trafficking is why most children are lost today? Most of the kids you see on those milk cartons are being sex trafficked. Did you know that? And who's fault is that and the reason it's the church's fault and I'm going to tell you why that is is because pastors everywhere and, 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 and let me give you a disclaimer real quick when I use the word church I'm not talking about just the house slide I want you to understand that I'm talking about and in directing to every born-again believer that can hear my voice and see my image today that's who I'm talking to The reason it is our responsibility is because pastors everywhere have taken ownership of something that does not belong to them. I'll say this again in a little while, but the spirit and the glory of God has not left the church. Those of us that are called according to his purpose still exist. But the fact that the thing is, is that we forget that it is his purpose. We're called to his purpose. It is not our plan. It is not our strategy. It is not our agenda. It is His purpose. We are saved regarding His purpose. And everybody says, well, I don't know what to do. What am I called to do? What, 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 what's my purpose in life? But a lot of people will go home this afternoon that brought their Bible to church, that actually brought their Bible to church, We'll go home this afternoon and lay it down on the coffee table and we'll not touch it again until Saturday night so they can get it ready to pick it up Sunday morning before they head out the door. That's what most people do. John chapter 14, verse 19 through 23 says this. We're going to do a little bit of reading today and I brought my Bible. Hopefully you'll follow along. Now, we could have read the entire chapter, but for the sake of time, I didn't want to do that. This message is designed, pardon me, to last no longer than three hours. 
but no shorter than one hour, okay? So I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen, but just be prepared. No longer than three hours for sure, okay? All right, verse 19. Jesus says, and he's, he's speaking to his disciples. <clears throat> and let me just give you a little bit of context real quick. Uh, he's been teaching the disciples about revealing the Father to them. Okay, and, that, and that's what he's been teaching them on. And then he goes into this in verse 19. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And in verse 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not the betrayer, says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. So Jesus has he's been teaching his disciples about revealing the Father to them. And earlier in that, in that whole chapter, he says to them, he says, If you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Break time. So, <clears throat> he begins to talk to the disciples about the fact that his death is, is impending. It's coming. He's letting them know, very soon I'm going to be leaving you. All right? So, <clears throat> that's for a foundation's groundwork. And he says, the world would see him no more, but his followers would see him. He reminds them that he and the Father are one. He had already taught them that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've said that. So, he's preparing the disciples for the fact that he's about to leave. Now, how does the um, disciples understand that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father? I want to give you a quick demonstration. Joshua and Rebecca, come here for one second. You have to come up here, though, to take your mask off. So you've got to come up here. Steps, use steps. Don't climb the mountain. I want to I show you something. All right, this is how... The disciples know that if they've seen Jesus, they've seen the Father. Now, if you didn't know any better, you didn't know anything about the three of us, and we didn't tell you anything, can you tell they're my children? Why? That's right. Go sit down. Because, because they bear the same characteristics that I bear. That's how you know. Okay, now wait a minute now. Now, listen. So that means that everything that Jesus did, everything that all the miracles Jesus performed, everything that he said, those are all things that the Father would say. Those are all things that the Father would have done. So Jesus bears all the same characteristics as the Father. Now, we're going somewhere with this, so just hang on. Don't forget, no less than three hours. And in verse 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, Okay. What are his commandments? His word. He said, he that has my word and keeps it. 
Is the church body as a whole keeping his word today? You know, the most prevalent thing that's going on right now, especially with this racism business, is this. Is that the church as a whole stands silent. And I'm sure. I am sure that that grieves the father. It grieves him. That the people in the kingdom of God allow such a thing by standing silent. Because we're so afraid we're going to offend somebody. You know what offense does? You know what offense does for a person? Offense challenges them. It gives them the opportunity to see the truth about themselves and gives them the opportunity to make a change. That's all offense is. That's all it is. And we're so afraid that we're going to offend somebody. Jesus himself said that the cross was a stumbling block. We're so afraid. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't care. I'm going to hurt your feelings. Yeah, ask some of these people. They'll tell you. I'll tell it straight. Let's talk about the word manifest real quick. The word manifest is defined as readily perceived by the senses, especially by the sense of sight. So when you manifest something, it is something that other people can see. In and of itself, the word manifest simply means to be revealed. That's all it really means. And in verse... What verse was it? 21. Yes. Verse 21. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me, we will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, or I will reveal myself to him. Well, how's he going to do that? How's he going to do that? Why can't the world perceive him? Well, what's the rule? The rule is, is that you have to have his word and keep it. The world doesn't have his word, and therefore they don't keep it. They don't know anything about Jesus, therefore he is not revealed to them, except through us. And again, we just stand silent. Just stand silent. We don't talk to anybody, we won't tell anybody anything, we won't show anything to anybody, we won't, won't provide a way of escape to them or for them because we're so afraid they might reject me. I might offend them, I might hurt their feelings. Did you know that when you witness, those of you that do witness, when you witness to people that you are not responsible for the results? What is your job? Your job is simply to show them and tell them. That's it. That is it. And you are not responsible for the results. If they reject, they are rejecting Christ. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting Christ. And we get so bent out of shape because we think we're going to offend them. Oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings. They're going to reject me. It has nothing to do with you. Your job is simply to tell them, to show them. You are not responsible for the results. We show our love to the Father by keeping His Word, and in doing so, the presence of both the Father and the Son would come and make their home with us. I submit to you today that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is dwelling deep on the inside of you. 
The problem is, is that we have held him hostage for so long. He belongs to me. I'm not sharing him with anybody. He's mine. But I'm telling you today that if you want to see true racial reconciliation, if you want to see true salvation for this country, if you want to see true change for this country and the people that are belonging it, we have got to let him out, which is the title of this message. We've got to let him out. We've got to turn the lion loose. He's responsible for the results, not us. And look at poor Jesus. Look at him. I mean, he wants out. Look at, look at him. And we're just holding him hostage. We've captured him, and he's all ours. He belongs to us. I want to share something with you. <laughs> Uh, I'm laughing because of the comments I'm getting from over here, especially on that second row. Anyway, before we go any farther, I want to share five facts about the lion, the true lion that lives here on the planet. I want to share five facts with you. All right. Did you know that the lion is the most social of all big cats? That they live together in groups or prides, usually about 15 lions. Male lions defend their pride's territory. While the females do most of the hunting. Lions are threatened by habitat loss. A lion's roar can be heard from as far away as five miles. A lion can run for short distances of 50 miles per hour and leap as far as 36 feet. That means don't run, because you'll just die tired. So, so what I want you to see is that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've got him held hostage in a cage within our hearts. We're not turning him loose. Yet according to what we just learned about lions, they are the most social of all the creatures, of all the big cats. So Jesus wants to be social, but we're holding behind bars. No, you can't go, Jesus. So when you're standing in Walmart and you need to talk to the lady down the aisle or the man down the aisle and the Spirit of God moves on you and says, hey, you need to go talk with them, we just lock him up. But he's wanting to be social. Male lions de de defend their, their, their pride's territory. Jesus was a male. I don't remember, we're going to catch flack for that because there's no such thing as males anymore. But we've locked up the male lion within us. He defends his territory. Yet when there's an attack on the church, what we do is we make concessions. Yeah, you want to take prayer out of schools? No problem. You can have that. You want to legalize abortion? Sure, no problem. You, you can do that. Go ahead and do that. We make concessions, and we give up more territory, and we give up more territory. We're making more concessions than we are converts. That wasn't me. More concessions than converts. We're giving up more territory than we are taking. The kingdom of darkness is expanding, and the kingdom of God is shrinking. And it's because we stand silent, and we lock up the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we say that no one can have him but us. And meanwhile, like a cancer, racism is running through our streets. Now, I told myself, 
I told myself that I was not going to talk about racism, but I got to. I got to. It's the only thing that any, anybody's thinking about right now. But you want to eradicate it? You want to destroy it? Let him out. These black folk that are born-again Christians, they have more of Jesus Christ in their heart or just as much as we do as white people. Jesus said that he was not a respecter of persons. If somebody will kneel at the cross, he will move on them, black or white. And then we run around here devaluing people's humanity because we think we're somebody. We're nobody. If you're not born again, you are nobody. And people act the way they act because they don't know anything. You know what their problem is? They're stupid. I'm entirely different than anybody you've ever heard, I can assure you. Like I tell you, I tell, you, I tell it straight, you know, and, and I know my mannerisms kind of get in the way, but that's okay because what I'm telling you is the truth. We have locked this guy up, and we're not sharing him with anybody, and the kingdom of God is shrinking. Did you know that for every church that opens too close, he's losing his habitat? I'm putting it down harder than you guys are picking it up. I don't know what your problem is, but somebody in here needs to wake up. A lion's roar can be heard, can be heard from as far as five miles away. That's from here to the Walmart neighborhood market on Pond Street. Probably farther than that. That's just a guess. So if a lion is sitting in Walmart's neighborhood market parking lot and he roars and we're outside we should be able to hear it you know why lions roar nobody okay well the reason why lions roar, roar is, is it's an intimidation tactic especially older lions because see when older lions roar they know that younger lions are prowling about to try and take their place in the pride So when an older lion roars, even after a fight, the young lions know he's still got fight left in him. We have got to let the lion of the tribe of Judah out and let him roar. The very word Judah means praise. Did you know that? That Jesus is the king of praise. In John chapter 17, verse 20 through 26. I want to share something with you that I think you'll find very interesting. It's going to get better, you guys. It's not quite so heavy toward the end. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one. That they all may be what? 
1. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me. So if we are unified, that's when the world will begin to believe. Is that what I'm understanding? 22. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them... And you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. I want to go back to verse 20 real quick, and I want to read it a different way. What you're experiencing here, what we're reading here is a prophetic prayer by Jesus Christ himself, talking about future believers, future converts, people that are going to follow him in the future. So I want to reread verse 20, but I want to read it like this. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for Ben Wisner. I do not pray for these alone, but also for Leslie Martinez. I do not pray for these alone, but also for Robert Carswell. See, when Jesus is praying this prayer prophetically, he's placing the mantle of the glory of God on every one of us as believers. Because, see, in the very beginning when we began to talk, it said that if we love him and keep his commands and keep his, keep his word, that they will come and move on the inside of us. So every characteristic, remember we talked about characteristics earlier, every characteristic of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son are all wrapped up in one, and they're living right here. All of the characteristics of God dwell on the inside of you through His Spirit. I find that very exciting. So Jesus prophetically imparts the glory the Father gave to him to us. It's our inheritance. And the glory you gave me, he says in verse 22, I have given to them. Given means to be brought forth. So Jesus, the glory that God had given to Jesus Christ, Jesus brings it forth to us through salvation, through being a believer. Through his spirit. At the cross when Jesus Christ died, he cried out, it is finished. That means the plan of salvation had been fulfilled. The blood was shed for salvation. The veil tore at the temple. And the spirit of God that had always been there, even through the days of Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness, left the Ark of the Covenant and left the temple. Where did it go? In us. I tell you guys are very excited about that. Jesus said that the Spirit would be in you and that it would come on you. Rodney, come here. Uh, ben, come here. I want to show you something. And I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm going to show you something. Hey, you stand right there. You stand right there. I'm going to start with Rodney. He's my favorite. All right. 
So my good man Rodney right here. All right, he's born again believer, right? Yes, sir. All right. So the Spirit dwells in him right here. Now, I don't mean to touch your chest. The Spirit dwells in him right here. The Spirit dwelling in you is power for living. That's the power for you to live successfully according to the commandments of God's Word. But Jesus said the Spirit would be in you and it would come on you. All right? Here's the difference. When the Spirit comes on you, this is power for living. This is power for service. Okay? This is also called the anointing. Okay? So, what happens is, as many believers do, the Spirit of God is living in you, power for, for living, and then He moves on you. Hey, you need to talk to that guy over there. So the Spirit is going like this, and we're resisting because we've got Him locked up. So the anointing comes on you to move upon you to get you to go and talk to someone else. Why? Because he's a social lion. Why? Because his habitat is shrinking. He wants to expand the kingdom of God. We're too busy locking it up. We're too busy fulfilling our own agenda. We're too, too busy fulfilling our own plan. Too busy fulfilling our own purpose. People are dying in the street and nobody gives a rip. I love you all. So the anointing comes on an individual and says, hey, come on, we're going to go talk to this guy. So as, 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 as Rodney's talking to Pastor Ben, then the Spirit is like this. Making them one. Bringing unity. Let's sit down. I don't understand where we are as a church. I really don't. And I don't mean this, this particular room. I mean the body of Christ. I don't understand where we are. I really don't. Um, it's kind of scary. Um, I know when I got first born again, when I was first born again, 91. Um, November 19th, 1991, in front of my aunt's couch. I know exactly what was that. People were waiting in the foyer to get into their church. They would sit in the windows. They would come in and they'd sit in the window sills so that they could be a part of the service. And today it rains a little bit and nobody comes. You know, Galatians chapter 3, and Pastor shared this last week. This is, this is fresh. This is hot off the presses. It says that, that when we are in Christ, that we are Abraham's seed. Okay. First of all, I'm not going to get into this part, but what that really means is that the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic blessing is on us too. That's a different story. But he says that in the kingdom of God, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. Everybody's the same. In other words, that's how God sees us. But we are to infect the world. The kingdom of God is to expand, and it only happens through souls. We have to be uh, primarily concerned with the souls of mankind. And for the most part, we're not. I mean, we're not. You know, people, uh, I, I hate the mask. I hate it. Uh, it's like I'm talking to a bunch of bandits. 
I hate the mask. I hate it. The reason I wear the mask is because pastor said to. That's the only reason I wear it. Because, see, we, pour, we put more value in an eight-minute news segment and a cotton-picking newspaper, both of which, by the way, are man-made, than we do in this. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And I said this just a few minutes ago to one of the other pastors. If we are fearful, then we are faithless. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's the facts. It's the truth. The CDC themselves says that the mask does not work. You're wasting your time. Aside from the fact that you're breathing your own carbon dioxide, raising your blood pressure, causing your heart rate to increase, killing ourselves. All right, I'll get off of that. So, Jesus explains to his disciples in John chapter 14 that the Spirit would live on the inside of all those that would choose to become believers. That's the fact of the matter. It's in the Word of God. That means it's true. All right, so, having said that, that now that we know that all the characteristics of God, the glory of God, rests on the inside of us, Okay, we know that's true. We've got it locked up. We've discovered that. It's all locked up on the inside. We're holding it hostage. Okay. We know that the glory of God has not left the church. Okay, it's still here. But what is the glory of God? It is a recognizable trait of the believer. Remember what I told you earlier about manifestation? Manifestation means to be revealed. Therefore, the glory of God within us is a recognizable trait of the believer. It is evidence that Jesus within us is seen by others through us. You know what the Apostle Paul called this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2? He called this a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. When the manifest glory of God hits a place, it is a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So what does that mean to us? That means that we have to demonstrate him. We have to offer a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Well, how do we do that? Well, one of the biggest ways is to begin with this. And number two, stop being fearful. Who cares what people think of you or say to you? It makes no difference. They beat the snot out of Jesus. Put him through hell. Then made him carry his own cross. Uphill. And then they stabbed him with a spear. Nailed his hands into the wood. And, and you're worried about somebody. Oh, well, you weren't them crazy folk. That's all you're worried about. Yeah, we are crazy. We're supposed to be crazy. We're supposed to be different. The Bible says that we're a peculiar people. A royal priesthood. We've all forgotten that. Everybody's forgotten that. Nobody's acting like that anymore. Whenever, whenever a demonstration 
of the power and presence of God takes place, something always happens. There's always a change of some kind. Healings take place. Deliverances take place. Salvations take place. Bondages are broken. Because he still is the chain breaker. He still is the salvation maker. He still is the hope bringer. We're supposed to be salt and light. You know what salt is? Salt is a preservative. It's a seasoning and a preservative. We bring flavor. And a preservative brings, um, uh, I don't know how to, uh, it keeps food fresh, more or less. If you pack, a, in other words, if you take raw fish and you pack it in salt, it keeps it fresh longer. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to bring light to the darkness. Instead, we allow people to walk in darkness because I don't want to offend them. I don't, I don't want to be rejected. It's all about me. Jesus, in verse 12 of chapter 14, we didn't read it. Again, I told you we could read the whole thing, but it would take time. Uh, uh, verse 12 of chapter 14, and he said this. He said, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, the works that I do, everything that you have seen me do, you'll do also, Rodney. Not only will you do those works, but even greater than that you will do. But we're holding them hostage. All it takes is to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be obedient. That's all it takes. Obedience is the key. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do when you tell me to do it. Doesn't matter how it makes them feel. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what they say. The results are not my responsibility. They're yours. But when I have the opportunity, I'm going to turn you loose. He's caged. We're holding him hostage. Got to let him go. Let him out. Matter of fact, why don't y'all say that? Let's be active. Let him out. Let him out. Thank you for participating. Verse 16 to 17, Jesus, Jesus teaches that a helper would come and he deals with, he dwells, pardon me, he dwells with you and will be in you. We covered that. That's the Holy Spirit of God that has nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I described that to uh, Pastor Dylan, I think it was some months ago, that the Holy Spirit, uh, w in other words, when you get born again, you have all of the Holy Spirit you'll ever get, all of it. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he gains more of you. That's the difference. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Here comes the fun part. Okay, you ready? You ready, Rodney? You sure? Okay. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. If you don't, read the screen. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which I believe is about 3 o'clock. Am I right on that? 3 o'clock? And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And he, he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he says, Hey, can I have five bucks? Verse 4, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. See, he was expecting to receive something. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
rise up and walk. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were all greatly amazed. There's a couple things I want to show you here. Peter and John are going to the temple, which was their custom. This was a short time after Jesus had died and had ascended uh, to heaven. But what I want to show you here is that this, this man, you know, a lot of people speculate what his age was. Some people say 35, some people say 38. So, you know, more, more or less, we know it's between 25 and 35, somewhere in there. We're not really sure. The Bible doesn't really say. And another characteristic of this man that the Bible does not give you is his name. Um, now, so what I'm prone to do, especially when I don't know people's names, and my wife Susan will attest to this, uh, when a waitress does not give me her name or have a name tag on, I'll give her a name. You know, Charlotte, Charlene, something like that. So for, 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 to personify this man, we're going to give him a name. His name is going to be Dylan. Okay, so we're going to name him Dylan. And daily, he was carried to the temple because he was lame from birth. He couldn't walk. And daily, someone would bring him. So we're thinking that this has gone on for 20, 25, 30, 35 years, somewhere in there. And what is most interesting about this story is that Jesus told the disciples and three other, or told the Pharisees and three other uh, gospels that he was with them in the temple daily. So I got to thinking, I said, well, wait a minute. If this man had laid there for 20, 25, or 30 years, how many times did Jesus just walk on by? I thought, you know what, that's really weird. Why would Jesus do that? That's really weird. I mean, could you imagine Jesus is walking up to the temple, and this guy had heard the news of Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He says, oh, man, he's, he's coming today to heal me. I know he's coming. He's here every day. He's going to heal me today. And their eyes meet as Jesus walks by, and Jesus just smiles, drops off a couple coins, keeps strolling. Why is that? Here's what I think. And you can think whatever you want to think, but this is what I think. I think it's because... Jesus knew that Dylan was Peter's assignment. That's what I think. I think the reason Jesus did not heal that man, he just smiled and said, oh, I know what's coming for you, buddy. I know it's coming. Jesus think, I, we got you. We got your number. He drops up coins and keeps walking. Because he knew that Dylan was Peter's assignment. See, Peter was the same disciple that denied him three times. And it was Peter who showed up at the temple that day. And the man finally got their attention. And, G and Peter looks at the man and he says, hey, look at us. And Peter looked at him just, you know, kind of like searingly stern like I do, you know. 
And he says, silver and gold have we none, but what we do have you, the lion of the tribe of Judah, trapped down on the inside of us, we give to you. So take up your mat and walk. And at that very instant, that man jumped to his feet. Why are you laughing at me? Jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now here's something else that is very interesting to note. That the Bible says that he was walking and leaping and praising God in the temple. Now for most Christians, this is how they do it. I'm making a fool of myself. Here we go. So you get touched in church. You go home and you're... Start walking. Start leaping. Amen. Yeah, I got blessed today. Sure did. <laughs> and that's how we do it. But when you look at the original Hebrew and Greek for these words, this is what he did. Is that he took up his mat and he began to walk. And then he started leaping and he was praising God. He was walking. And he was leaping and praising God. This is what got the people's attention. Remember I told you that a manifestation of the glory of God is to be revealed. It was revealed to all the people in the temple that something had happened in that man's life. Something had changed him. That he had been there for 25 years. Jesus had walked by on several occasions. And he's probably thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus just walked by me again. But then Peter shows up. And looses the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that man's life has changed forever and every individual in that temple. Because Jesus was willing to wait on Peter's assignment. I submit to you this morning that there is somebody out there that you are assigned to. And because you will not let the lion loose, they're going to sit there another 20 or 15 years. 15 or 20 years. You have got to turn the lion loose. Your assignment is waiting on you, and the church of the kingdom of God is waiting on you as well. It's time for us to shake loose of all the foolishness of this world and become the kingdom of God. Now, I'm mad. But all foolishness aside, the fact of the matter is, is we have to be the church of the kingdom of, of God again. We have got to shake this nation. We have got to infect and infiltrate all the foolish kingdom of darkness garbage that has flooded our streets. We're not white folk. We're not black folk. We are kingdom of God folk. And we got to start acting like it. doesn't matter what the politicians say. They don't have a clue to what they're doing. Sorry. Walking and leaping and, pra and praising God. And it was a demonstration of God's goodness toward mankind. And all the people took notice in verse 11 and ran together to them. They saw the manifestation of the spirit and power in this man's life. And it gave Peter and John the opportunity to stand in the temple and begin to preach the word of God. All because they answered the assignment. There's an old song we used to sing. I don't know if I can tell you this. There's an old song that we used to sing. 
and Pastor Ben, you may remember this. Uh, uh, heck, most of y'all may remember this if you're older than me. Uh, there's a promise coming down the dusty road. you remember that song? All right, well, the story is about Jairus' daughter. Okay, she's, she's, um, she's sick, she's dying. They're, they're expecting her to die. And um, the, the song is really, it's, it, it's an old song. It's really old. You know, it's not Southern Gospel, but it is an old song. And, um, but it has a very powerful story. Is that, <clears throat> is that Jairus' daughter is sick in bed and she's dying. And the household is filled with all of these people. And they're all crying. We're so sorry about your daughter. We're so sorry. And they're all saying, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then somebody looks out the window and they say, hey, some, somebody's coming. It's a, it's a figure of a man. And Jesus got the message that Jairus' daughter was, was, was dying. And he knew that she and her family was his assignment. And he stopped what he was doing, and alone he walked to Jairus' house. And somebody looked out the window and said, oh, hey, somebody's coming. And Jesus came into the room, and there was so much doubt and confusion and faithlessness and fearfulness. And he, he said, go home. And then he saved that girl's little life, brought her back from death. He said, this girl ain't dead. She's only sleeping. And really what he was saying was, you folks just don't know who you're dealing with. They don't know who they're dealing with. I don't know how many people there. What, 35, 40? Somewhere there? 40 caged lions sitting in a room. They don't know who they're dealing with. But we have got to know who we are. Aside from politics, we are the kingdom of God. And we are the ones that have the only answer. We have the only answer answer. They can legislate it till Jesus comes and it won't change a thing until the hearts of men have been changed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean a thing without this book. Not one dead blasted thing. You made me cuss. John three sixteen through 21. And I am coming to an end. I wish I have three hours, right? Oh, yeah. John three sixteen through 21. And, and, you know, I know Pastor uh, quoted the scripture last week, but I want to show you something specifically in it. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the, uh, that the world through him, I need to put these on, 
uh, might be saved. He who believes, in verse 18, in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Did you hear that? If you're not a believer, you are condemned already. It's not what I say to you that condemns you. If you're not a believer, you are condemned to hell already. Sorry, am I off camera? If you're not a believer, then you are condemned to hell already. It has nothing to do with the church. Because he has not believed in the name of the, son, the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Listen, that's why people are acting the fool and throwing bricks through windows today. Because they would rather have darkness than the light. Come here one more time, Rodney. I, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this. Come here one, one, one second. We're going to be on camera for this. Let me tell you what the establishment does not want. Now, when I say the establishment, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm not talking about Congress. I'm talking about the people behind them that are actually running this thing. What the establishment does not want is for unification to take place. You want to know why? That's how they control us. All of us, not just, not just black folk, not just white folk, all of us. That's how they control all of us. Fear-mongering, race-mongering, that's what they want. They want you to throw bricks through windows and tear down statues because in the kingdom of God, there is unification. Neither one of us are Jew. Neither one of us are Greek. Neither one of us are free. Neither one of us are slave. We're all in the kingdom. And this, ain't, this is what they don't want. And I love this fella. I love this guy right here. I do. And the right rod. Rodney. Rodney. <laughs> here you go sit down. This is what they don't want, though. They don't want true unification in the body of Christ because they know that we're a force to be reckoned with. They know that if the lion gets set free, there's not going to be any stopping us. And we will bring change to this nation. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest your deeds should be exposed. Oh, I don't want nobody to know. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. See, people are afraid that if they come to the church and they give their heart over to the kingdom of God, that they choose to serve Jesus Christ and his commandments, the true, that, that they choose to follow his word, to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, that people are going to know what they've done. Nobody cares. Nobody. I don't care. I certainly don't care. Trust me. I'm like Paul. I'm the chiefest of all of you. I'm the chiefest center of all of you. I sin just as much. But the difference is the spirit for power for living is on the inside of me. And starting today, and I said this the other day to the staff, I'm going to go on vacation, and when I come back, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to let him out. 
because it's time as a white man in the kingdom of God for unification to be brought back to this land. Racism has been around since Jesus walked the earth. And all the laws you can pass will not cancel it, will not eradicate it. Okay? Except for this law. This is the only one. How will they know unless someone tells them and reveals Jesus Christ to them? We have got to let him out. We have got to loose the lion and let him roar. Did you enjoy this day? Someone do an altar call or am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to do the altar call or, or the closing or whatever? Okay. Was, okay. I'm getting a thumbs up from Dylan who was set free by Jesus. So <clears throat> So I hope you enjoyed this today. Uh, I know I'm a very unorthodox the way I deliver things, the way I do things. Uh, I try to keep it light. I want it to be positive. I want it to be fun. Because um, through humor, you can actually make a point that will stick with people. So, um, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. And I want you to know that the kingdom of God is not dead, but it is very much alive and he is still on the throne. We've got to turn him loose.